What's up, Midas Mighty, and welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Ben, Brett, and Jordy with special guest on today's episode, Marcus Flowers, Democratic candidate from Georgia, running for Congress to replace Marjorie Taylor Greene. How you doing, fellas? Doing I'm well. doing fantastic. And don't think we're going to let you get away with not talking about what we've been going through for the past hour before we set up this live show today. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about it. Oh, no, I'm, go- I'm, I'm, I'm going into it because Ben, at some point in his life, Ben used to be incredibly technologically savvy. At some point of his life, he just his brain decided that he did not need to know any of that information anymore. All he needed to know was the law and politics and how to get through life in that way. And he just has completely avoided just how to do very basic things on his computer. What, what happened to you, Ben? Well, let me answer been- that for him. Let me answer that. Ben turned um, 10, <laughs> which means you were five, Brett. And yeah. Ben trained you in all the technological that's savvy the cra- stuff. That's that, the craziest that, thing. Yeah, and just yeah. For, for added context, like uh, we for the last hour before we can't, are coming to you live, Ben's been trying to figure out how to get his microphone to work, how to get his computer to work. His computer died. It's been a whole situation here on the back end. But like Jordy was saying, Ben, the reason that I know what to do with computers, the reason, and this is a huge compliment to you, the reason I know how to edit videos is because you knew how to do all that stuff. And I learned it from you before you decided to sell out and become a lawyer. So Ben, what's going on here? (laughs) So somebody yesterday even asked me, I was editing a document and I did it on red lines, which is, I guess, how you edit documents, which to me is a pretty advanced thing because the way I used to edit documents (laughs) is that I would just highlight my changes. Oh, and that's, then I would, oh come on. <laughs> and then so in the, <laughs> there's in a the review past, changes option. And then the well, what I never realized Try changes when I never realized when you would go into the changes, though, is like I never realized you could hide the red line. So it would just be so annoying when you would see the red lines as they would come on. But about three years ago, I figured out red lines. And so I've been good with red lines. But then somebody yesterday asked me for black lines and I was like, all right, black lines. <laughs> to be fair, I've never heard of black lines, but I don't spend time in Microsoft Word all day. So but someone I've never- said, can you edit the document and send it to me as a black line in addition to the red line? And I just said, nope. I said, <laughs> I, said I don't think you fully realize the lack of technological skills. <laughs> And red lines is as far as you got me at. So you could figure out. So I sent the original document and the red lines and said, I'll let you figure out how to black line these two documents together. But no, I don't know where my technological inability stems from. But I'll tell you what, at least I am not taking ivermectin. Okay, brothers. At the, the transition. <laughs> what a, what a transition. What a transition. <laughs> at least you are not shitting yourself yes, by ben, taking least- <laughs> ivermectin. Is, already, is that the bar? Is that the bar, Ben? I may not know how to blackline, but I am not ingesting horse dewormers. You're not brown lining. What'd you say? <laughs> I, I said, you're not. Yeah, it's disgusting. I'm sorry. I apologize immediately for that joke. I'm sorry. It is. It is accurate, though, because <laughs> across the GQP, the QAnon, the 4chan, the 8chan, the 16chan, the message boards where all of the Republican Party, who is now called 
the GQP. That, I believe, is what they refer to themselves as now. They're asking questions on these message boards like, what diaper size is best for the first 24 hours? I knew I would be pooping a lot, but I've already gone through four pairs of underwear in the last two hours. Pads don't work either. So can you got sh- you, you to be shitting me. I'm not shitting you. This is what, in Brett's words, <laughs> the naysayers against actual medicine and vaccines. This is what, as Brett says, the cult of Donald Trump, C-O-L-T and C-U-L. I've been on, I got to say, I've been on fire with, with these lately. And the so horse I, puns are out of control, Brett. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. No. Really ridiculous. And uh, I think I, I told you guys, my, my wife had to go to the East Coast uh, for a wedding. And so I was left here just to my own thoughts. And I decided, let's just tweet out horse puns all day. That's that's what I how I decided to spend my Sunday afternoon. Um, I got some more for this one. I'll, I'll test them out before before I go live with some of them. I already said you got to be shitting me. Uh, sounds like a pretty crappy story. <laughs> but this is exactly what the GQP are talking about. What I find so incredible about the statement is. We won her name is uh, his name is Charity. Oh, so on brand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone named Charity, but so on brand. But I like that as part of the message boards, they've been communicating. So they're aware that by taking this horse dewormer, which, by the way, has no efficacy, is completely made up, is one of the it's the strand. They've gone from Clorox, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Literally, if it's something that doesn't work, something that is not effective and will affirmatively harm them. That is what they want to take. These are the motherfuckers who for the past six months have been going, I'm not taking the vaccine. It's not FDA approved. It's not natural. And then they're going to PetSmart and they're picking up horse medicine, literal horse medicine. And yes, there is an ivermectin for humans to get rid of parasites. And even the company themselves and the FDA, but I know they don't trust the government, but even the company themselves is saying, do not take this medication for COVID, yet it is flying off the shelves and it is flying off the shelves. As I said, there is a human version. The horse version is the one that is sold out in all these stores. It has a picture of a literal horsey on it. And these people are going on Facebook and stuff, and they're trying to evade the the anti-vax bans that are in Facebook. So they say weird things like, do you identify as a horse? Yes, I'm a total horsey. These are real conversations. That go on They're like, yes, uh, I'm, I'm a horsey. Trotted True. it out today. Um, oh, oh, I just I, I got a good one. I got a good one. What happens when you take ivermectin? What? Depends. <laughs> Texas a is seeing <laughs> a, a Texas is seeing a five hundred and fifty percent spike in poison calls from people ingesting this horse and cow dewormer. And people like Rand Paul are pushing it and saying that the government is squashing the research into ivermectin because of a overall deep state hatred for ex-president Donald Trump. And they just make this stuff up. I mean, it has been researched by the company also, which says do not take this poison. But this really is a reflection point about really the GQP. I mean, you think about it and you go, why in the world would these people be attracted to 
a crazy psychopath like Donald Trump? And how do they still show up? They're all fucking crazy. It's a cult. Both C-U-L-T and now C-O-L-T, as we uh, were talking about should earlier. It, should it really surprise us, though, that they that they wouldn't be scared to shit their pants because of this? I mean, look, they're they're willing to die because of it. We know that. <laughs> so shitting their pants in like in the scheme of things isn't as bad as death. It's a good, it's a good point. If you're willing to die, then maybe shitting your pants is not as bad as dying. <laughs> but it is incredible that there but it is doesn't work. A- so you shit your pants and then you'll die. There, what a, what a way to go out. Uh, there is a free, life-saving, safe vaccine out there that has actually been studied for decades the way the technology works. And instead of going with the one that has been studied relentlessly more than probably any other vaccine in the history of the world, this, this has been studied. There's been an all-hands-on-deck effort to study the efficacy and the safety of the COVID vaccines around the entire world. Yet people are running out to get literal horse and sheep dewormer to put it into themselves. This is a cult, guys. It's a cult. ICUs have reached you know, their maximum capacity. People who need to get into the emergency room for other serious issues can't even find beds. All of the medical professionals, both at the scientific level, people who study these vaccines, and just people who are there in the emergency rooms are saying this is a massive, massive crisis on a scale we haven't seen before, yet you have people like right-wing radio host, Mr. Anti-Vax is what he calls himself, Mark Bernier, who literally died of his crazy Mr. Anti-Vax views. And it seems like every time we do this podcast, Every time we have this session each week and we talk about it, it's another person like Mr. Anti-Vax who, who finds themselves on this list. And this list is Caleb Wallace and Joe Manning, the sheriff of, uh, of Wayne County, radio host Philip Valentine. We added Mark Bernier to the list. H. Scott Apley, the Texas state politician, Jimmy DeYoung. Dick Farrell, Presley Stutz, Herman Cain, just a short list of a broader list of people who have literally died spewing anti-vax rhetoric. That's why this anti-vax rhetoric is increasingly dangerous. Honestly, I don't know what to do. I feel like we're living in a zombie movie where half the country wants to become zombies. And it's like, how do you get out of that mindset? I really don't know how we get past it. And my the cynical really horrible thing that I would say is like, in a way, nature has to run its course with these people if they're not going to listen. Like, they're obviously not going to listen to us. Darwin was busier than ever this weekend. It was like every time I logged onto Twitter, it was another conservative, quote unquote, conservative radio host dying of COVID or dying after taking ivermectin or some other sort of homemade concoction. I legitimately don't know how we how we move forward here. It's like in the past when we had cults, there people were like isolated on communes. There'd be like literature passed around underground. They'd have like scrapings on walls. Like it was a very like underground sort of thing. But now this cult, mainstream. 
It's a mainstream cult. It's a mass movement. And instead of underground literature being passed around, instead of people meeting in back rooms or dark rooms or in the woods or communes or whatever, they're meeting in Facebook groups. They're meeting on all the chans that you listed, Ban 8 chan, 4 chan, 16 chan, 32 chan, 64, 128 chan, 256 chan, whatever they are. They are on all of these websites and the cult leaders aren't fringe figures. We're not dealing with Jim Jones or Manson family. We're dealing with the former president of the United States, who's a major pusher of this. We're dealing with members of Congress, senators like Rand Paul. We're dealing with mainstream talk show hosts of the most viewed, sickens me to say that, of the most viewed programs in the country like Tucker Carlson. What do we do? And the damage that these people are doing is going to be with us forever. Like this, it, even if this ended tomorrow, if we somehow figured out a way to eradicate COVID tomorrow, the damage that these people have done to our society and the psyche of America is going to last forever. Insurrectionist zombies, Brett, is probably a great way to refer to these individuals. I see a show and, title. And we see them at school board hearings. We see them at these bizarre impromptu protests that they have, you know, in front of like libraries and schools where you have school boards, school boards who are deliberating of how do we keep children safe and basically coming up with the idea of, hey, let's just have people wear masks when they're congregated together in public spaces inside with poor ventilation. And you have these insurrectionist zombies out there saying that is taking away my freedom. How dare you make me put a mask over my face for the limited time period that I am in a public setting around others so that I don't breathe COVID on people. That is their argument. And they're basically now saying, oh, uh, the same people who are saying, oh, January 6th, that wasn't uh, an insurrection. That was uh, just kind of a freedom rally uh, where we entered against the will of the Capitol Police officers, uh, a public space. They're all speaking right now this crazy rhetoric, which is why I'm a little bit pissed, frankly, at the Department of Justice and the FBI for not holding these insurrectionists more accountable because you have these crazy people out there thinking that they can get away with it again. That's the message. There's the, the governor, the, the GOP governor candidate in Pennsylvania, Steve Lynch today basically called for an insurrection forget going into these school boards with freaking data he said you go into these school boards to remove them i'm going in with 20 strong men and i'm going to give them an option they can leave or they can be removed literally that's what he said how is that not terrorism that is just, to me just, the definition play of the terrorism. clip so people don't say oh midas touch they uh they they edit what the people say it's done giving them the research and the data. Do you understand that? Forget going into these school boards and bringing data. You go into school boards to remove them. That's what you do. Forget. They don't follow the law. They don't follow the law. You go in and you remove them. I'm going in with 20 strong men. I'm going to speak in front of the school board and I'm going to give them an option. They can leave or they can be removed. 
These people need to be prosecuted. That's Absolutely. that's terrorism. That's incitement right there. If anybody then goes to a school board and kills a school board member or harms a school board member, he should be held responsible. This Pennsylvania GOP. What I don't candidate. get. Absolutely. But what I don't get is the same talking point from these people that we hear over and over and over again. And that's that there's no scientific data. There is scientific data. Is it? Be, do you guys think it's because their sites don't publish the scientific data? That's my opinion that these people just have the same sort of mantra. There's no science. There's at least 40. There's that one great article, Brett, that you posted that had at least 46 different studies showing that masks yeah. are efficient. Well, they want to be told what they want to be told. Does that make sense? I don't know. We're, you know what I mean? Sure. They want news that gives them confirmation bias. And yes. at the end of the day, what we're talking about is just wearing a mask for a relatively sh- short period of time in your day. There's this great meme that I saw is actually a, a political cartoon that shows the medieval soldier wearing his entire armor and one arrow <laughs> gets funny. through the medieval soldier and it kind of pricks them in their yeah. arm. And then on the other hand, you have the person who's not wearing any of their armor, who's got all the arrows stuck through their body, they're bleeding, and they basically point to the person in the armor and say, see, it doesn't work. And the whole G, it's so accurate. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. He could pull up the meme for those watching on the on the video. And for those listening, you should go and just check out the meme. We'll we'll tweet about it in the next 24 hours so you can see what I'm talking about. But for the GQP, they use the fact that the vaccine and masks are not 100 percent perfect. And they use that, though, and the error rate to justify their ability just to do everything wrong, to intentionally strive for the wrong thing and the imperfect thing simply because perfection can't be achieved scientifically. And it makes no sense. And all we're saying is, hey, what the scientific literature shows is that masks are helpful in preventing deaths. It's prevent. It's helpful in preventing the spread. Even if that's not 100%, why would we not want to do that? And uh, my co-host on Legal AF made this great example, and he analogized it with football. It would be like, you know, these parents saying, you know what? I don't want my son or daughter to wear a helmet. You know, I don't want them where I don't want my son wearing a helmet when he plays football because I want people to see his beautiful hair and beautiful smile when he gets hit in the face. Brilliant. And I said, it's a it's a brilliant example. And he also said, this is child abuse. Yeah. What this is using your children as guinea pigs in your sick GQP experimentation and to meet your silly GQP fascist ends is child abuse. And Ben, judges are starting to agree with you here around the country. I saw a story today that I'm sure you guys will talk about in this week's Legal AF that a judge revoked Chicago's mom custody of her 11-year-old after she admitted that she refused to be vaccinated. The dad is vaccinated, and so the kid's going to live with the father while uh, this goes on until the mom gets vaccinated because you're endangering the lives of kids at this point. I mean, if you are unvaccinated, if you are refusing to take the proper precautions to protect your child and then your child gets sick and dies, that is on you the same way if you told your child not to wear a seatbelt or if you were speeding at 100 miles an hour on the road with your child in the car and you got in an accident. That is on you. 
You need to take responsibility for your actions. And one of the things we've discovered now more than ever, I mean, we always knew it, but this whole notion that Republicans are the party of personal responsibility is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, they are the opposite of personal responsibility. They are blame everyone else. The buck stops with anybody but me. I have to say, you know, I don't want to give Mitch McConnell credit for literally anything because he's responsible for creating all of this Mm -hmm. and his policies create all of this. Although he's you you see him speaking and and maybe just play this clip and I'm not giving him credit for it, but play the clip of McConnell basically almost reflecting on the insurrectionist zombie sheep cult that he helped create that are going to lead to deaths and deaths and deaths for generations. Play that clip. Honestly, my friends, it never occurred to me that we'd have a challenge getting people to take the vaccine. But that's where we are. Ninety percent of the people in the hospitals are unvaccinated. We have a crisis of the unvaccinated. And so we're all, I think, perplexed as to how we tackle this problem. But clearly, getting more and more Americans vaccinated is the only way to end it. Insurrectionist zombie sheep is what this is. It should not be a surprise that insurrectionist zombie sheep are taking horse and sheep deworming medication and shitting in their pants and discussing it on message boards. And Mitch McConnell, it is you and your politics, who is to blame. And so while you're out there now shocked and surprised that the cult that you helped create is out there spreading this disinfo, the blood and the shit is on your hands, Mitch McConnell. And Ben, let's not give him too much credit because he was also asked, why aren't you putting pressure on governors to mandate the man mandate masks, mandate vaccines. And he basically said, oh, yeah, it's none of my business. I'm not I'm not going to wade into that territory, but I'm going to speak to my opinions on it and I'll let people make their own decisions. So he won't go that extra step of saying, hey, fellow Republicans, this is what we need to be talking about. We're at war with a virus right now and we need you to step up to the plate and deal with this issue responsibly. He won't take that extra step. So I don't want to instead. Give him yeah. And instead, he, 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 I mean, look, he, the reality is he deserves zero credit. And what he said and that kind of reflection is kind of typifying what the GQP is about because while he does say that rhetoric, he's enabling the conduct at the same time. And here's other examples of the conduct. I mean, these there is real sickness on the streets because of these insurrectionist zombie sheep. Look at this guy, Jason Lefkowitz, who talked about having the home addresses of the L.A. City Council members and basically intimating he was going to kill him. List of all the council people's homes that are voting on the vaccine mandate. Okay? Whoever votes yes, we're coming to your door. We're coming to your home. You want to feel intimidated? You, you want to intimidate us? We're coming to you now. What happens if it happens? Civil war. Yeah. Civil war. That's what's going to happen. In a month, in two months, by December, civil war's coming, people. Get your guns. Get your guns. Get your food. Get a plan together. It's done. So that guy's supposedly a comedian. Bill Maher, for those who still listen to him, God bless. 
he did this whole rant last week on why there are no conservative comedians. First off, there are, Bill. Second off, that's also why. They're not funny. They're deranged. There's nothing, there's no such thing as a conservative anymore, as we say on this show. These people are cult. These people are lunatics. It's ridiculous. And, and, if, and if you listen to them, if you listen to them go on their rants, this is what it basically sounds like. It's like, I'm telling my kids that you should not wear your masks because what this is all about is they want to take your freedom. They want to control your mind. This isn't about COVID. This is about controlling your mind. You know what? This is Ben talking now, not my impression. (laughs) Fuck you. Seriously, because when you look at the stats and we look at what's going on in Florida, for example, there are 14 portable portable refrigerated morgues headed to central Florida to help hospitals store bodies. That's what's going on. This isn't about government control and forcing kids to wear masks. It's about trying to trying to help kids and save kids lives. Can you be perfect? No, in the example that I gave about the body armor, can you make sure that body armor is 100% effective? No, but don't be 100% stupid and defective. Don't be an intentional failure by design. And that is what the GQP is. And when you talk about mind control and it's government intervention, because we're telling you to wear a mask, seriously, you can't even have a conversation with these insurrection zombie sheeps who literally shit on themselves because they're taking the wrong medication and they talk about it on their 4chan message boards. That is disgusting. It's what's wrong with America and why we need to change this and why people who are rational need to step up and stop allowing that conduct to occur and do something. Last thing I want to say to this is is what Charity has said about asking her message board about what diapers should I wear. I find it kind of ironic that they call masks chin diapers, and yet they're so willing to wear regular diapers. <laughs> wear actual diapers. Well, yeah. Jordy, I'm going to end this segment by just saying one thing about these people. They stink. You're such an asshole. <laughs> they absolutely do. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages with Marcus Flowers, Democratic candidate running in Georgia against Marjorie What's up, Midas Mighty? Have you gotten your Midas Touch merch yet? We got a lot of great things in the store. And, you know, we always listen to you guys. When you guys ask for things, we try to always deliver on it. One of the things that you guys asked for is, hey, could we get a pack of all the GQP repellent in one go? And we said, of course, anything for you. So we put together our amazing GQP repellent whistles, which I love seeing people. I mean, we have Marcus Flowers on the show today. I love seeing people chase around Marjorie Taylor Greene with these GQP repellent whistles. It is rare. It just makes me smile. And we have the GQP repellent spray bottles, which are always fun. You could have in your house, use it for whatever you want. It's uh, a lot of fun stuff. And then we, of course, got our face masks, our sake bomb tees, our mugs. Everything is at store.midastouch.com. So check it out today. That's store.midastouch.com. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We are joined by Democratic candidate from Georgia who is running against Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Army veteran with over a decade of experience in combat zones 
a true American patriot. Marcus Flowers, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Well, Ben, Jordy, Brett, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you. Marcus, so what made you step into the fray here and decide to run in the 14th? Oh, wow. Well, you know, to to give you the rundown of how that all came about, I'd have to go back to May of last year when I watched George Floyd being murdered. And I don't really I can't really think of another way to put that uh, as I watched an officer kneel on his neck for more than nine minutes. Uh, at the time, I was a government official working for the Department of Defense. You know, I'd always been what I considered nonpartisan, apolitical, you know, 27 years serving the country. I kind of stayed out of politics, stayed out of activism, you know, just focused on my job. And as you said, I spent a decade in war zones. So, you know, that was what I focused on. But when I saw that, you know, something started stirring in me. And I, I, I figured I couldn't keep quiet any longer. So I got on Twitter for the first time, started interacting on social media, started talking to people, you know, watching the events over that summer play out. You know, I started looking into, you know, what can I do? What kind of activism can I become a part of? And, you know, I started making my first political donations after listening to people talk about you know, policies and things of that nature. And then John Lewis and C.T. Vivian died on the same day in June. And I was like, well, who's going to carry on their message? So I started getting more and more involved, you know, staying within the Hatch Act, which is something that governs, you know, government officials getting involved in politics. Then I started looking at the race here in Georgia and I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene pop up. I started looking into her and seeing some of the crazy statements that she'd made and, you know, some of those wild conspiracy theories that she was espousing, the disparaging comments she was making about black and brown people. You know, I started wanting to push back and I was trying to help the Democrat who was in the race at the time, you know, by putting out yard signs, making phone calls, whatever I could do while staying within the borders of the Hatch Act. And he dropped out on September 11th. And the Democrats couldn't field another candidate. Like I said, once again, I started reaching out to her saying, hey, walk back some of that stuff you're saying. It's not true. If you're going to represent us, you know, be representative of the district. Crickets from her. Then I saw her on January 5th addressing the Proud Boys and making statements about 1776 moments and things of that nature. And I was like, okay, she's off the cuff, but little did I know what was going to transpire on January 6th. And when I was watching what happened on January 6th, seeing American police officers, DC Capitol Police being beaten with American flags, all at the same time, a Confederate battle flag being paraded through the Capitol Rotunda, and all of the things that I'd heard leading up to that moment, I said, you know what, I've got to do something. I called my supervisor the very next day and said, I'm resigning my post as a government official. I'm going to run for Congress. He wasn't surprised in the least. He's like, you know, I know you. This doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I know you wouldn't be able to sleep knowing who's representing you now. You've got my blessing. And a couple of my other friends, and like I said, I'd already told you, I'd stayed nonpartisan, but they were all like, well, we need you to do something like this. It's just who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got in the race. You know, January 6th, I'd seen too much at that point. 
And Marcus, in 2017, the Cook Political Report ranked the district, the 14th, the 10th most Republican district in the country. Now, at the same time, and I assume those stats hold today, if not probably expanded, at the same time, there really is no Democratic apparatus there or in the counties. And so there hasn't really even been an effort to engage with people and speak to people about democracy. Tell us a little bit about Georgia's 14th. And do you think you can break through those stats that I just talked about? Here's one of the things that I I, I tell people. When people look at Marjorie Taylor Greene across the country, they think that's representative of this district. It's not. Not at all. I'm from here. This is my home. She doesn't represent us. But who in America is going to believe that because of the representative that we sent to the district? But what I want people to know is that the people here are kind, generous, caring people. You know, these are the people that will wave to you from their car as you're driving by. Uh, These are people that will hold the door open for you, even in a pandemic. Even if you're 20 or 30 feet away, they'll sit there and wait for you to come holding the door open for you. That's who the people here are. But with our politics nowadays and the misinformation and disinformation that's been put out over the last several years that we've had to live with, people don't know what to believe. They don't know what to think. And you touched on it before. There hasn't been a significant investment by Democrats in this district. Now, people wonder why we're making such a huge imprint on social media. We're trying to get the message out. We're raising money so that that investment can be made in the district. We're going to get out. We're going to knock 100,000 doors. We're going to go up on the Atlanta TV market here, something a Democrat's never done before, the Chattanooga market. We're going to blanket this district. And we're going to go out and talk to people. I'm going to talk to those 30 or 40% of Republicans that are embarrassed by Marjorie Taylor Greene, completely embarrassed. That's not what they signed up for. And we're going to start getting the truth out there, facts out there. We're going to talk to people, meet them where they are, and have a discussion. That's how we're going to win this race. You know, one of the facts that I find particularly egregious in the litany of egregious things that Marjorie Taylor Greene does is generally her hypocrisy. On the one hand, she rails against the government, but recall in the prior election, Her private business took about $182,000 in PPP funding, and then she turned around from the company and then gave the money to her campaign. Do issues like that resonate, Marcus, in the, you know, within the district, or are people focused on all this other noise that's out there? Well, there is a whole lot of noise out there, and we have to cut through that and start telling people, you got to care who represents you. You've got to look into these people. And we're going to bring all of that up. All I'm doing is holding up a mirror. You know, if Congresswoman Green doesn't like what she sees, then perhaps she should get out of the frame. And Marcus, tell us about this event that you attended. It was, you know, it was funny because Midas Touch, we sent a correspondent when uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates came out to California, and our correspondent just wanted to let Matt Gates know that he's not a pedophile and to let Marjorie Taylor Greene know that she was not a crazy QAnon conspiracy theorist. And they seemed to get angry at that when our person was telling them that. But you also, you also attended an event and were kicked out. Talk to us about that event and what made you go to it. I think it was in Dalton. 
It was in Dalton. And the reason I went to that event, plain and simple, is I wanted to see for myself and hear for myself what it was that they were saying on this quote unquote America first uh, rally tour or whatever it is that they thought they were doing. So I went out just to listen to it and they noticed me right away. And the, I guess you guys have seen the footage now. The bouncer approaches me as I'm, you know, buying concessions and says, well, you know, the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks that you're a threat. Even though I'd never been to one of her events before, I'd never gone out and caused any trouble, at anything. It's not who I am. That was my first time going to a political rally. I just wanted to listen. And if I'd had a chance to talk to her, you know, I would have asked her once again, walk back some of these things that you're saying dispense with the politics of grievance, dispense with the disinformation and misinformation. And if you can't do that, you need to resign and let someone that wants to do the job and will do the job for the people of Georgia and the people of America get in there and do it. And that's me. That's why I went. But of course, they were having none of that. So I was unceremoniously kicked out, shown the door. But... At that rally, I did get a chance to talk to a bunch of her supporters and start spreading my message there. And the people were like, oh, well, you're not a socialist or a communist. Everything you're saying, we kind of agree with. So that was a a positive uh, going to the event. I did get to hang outside for about an hour or two and talk with people. So. Marcus, I think it's a badge of honor to get kicked out of an event like that. I think you should wear that proudly. I'm not too upset about it. (laughs) I'm sure you're not losing sleep. (laughs) Do you think that people in your district view her as an embarrassment? And do you think that will play heavily into the election? Just like, I don't want to be associated with with this crazy person. Oh, absolutely. There are those that are disaffected independents. And as I told you before, there's probably 30 or 40 percent of the GOP. that are just embarrassed by it. It's not what they signed up for. It's not who they are. It's not who these people are. You know, we have to talk to them and reach out to them and you know, bring them into the fold. Let's start agreeing on facts. Let's tone down the white hot rhetoric and politics. I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking to cut through that noise and they're looking for effective and efficient government. That's what they want. At this point, it's not about big government or small government or Democrat or Republican. It's like, who is for democracy and who is working for you? And you look at Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, she's not even on. She's not even fit to be on any committees. What does she (laughs) do all day? Like, what is she actually doing for the people of Georgia other than making blanket crazy statements to raise money like impeach Biden? Like, I legitimately do not know what she thinks her job is and what she does for the people of Georgia. Well, she's definitely not working for working people. She's definitely not trying to build back America and rebuild our economy. You know, she's not looking at creating jobs for the middle class. She's not doing anything for veterans. She's, you know, not doing anything except getting in the way of COVID relief. You know, these are these are things that I bring to the table and that I will discuss with people and try to push forward. She's not doing any of that. And I want to emphasize, because a lot of people are like, well, how, how could she have possibly won this district? A, she ran unopposed. There was a whole weird situation with her opponent. And what, what happened there? It was like she, he was threatened. Like there was some weird story behind that, right? Well, let me take it back a little bit to the primary. Uh, so she was going to be running in District 6 against Lucy McBath. Okay, we all know how that would have ended. At the end of the day, Tom... Graves, who was the representative before her, retired. So she swoops in in the primary with a million and a half or however much money she had 
and basically buys the primary, puts out all these commercials, self-funded, uh, and, you know, she kind of blew the competition out of the water because they couldn't get their message out, you know, name recognition. She had her name out there, but people didn't know who she was. Uh, fast forward to the general, as I told you before, the Democrat dropped out of the race in September and the secretary of state would not allow the Democrats to field another candidate at the time. So voila, there you have it. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the next representative for the 14th Congressional District of Georgia. And I need to emphasize she ran unopposed and only got 74.7 percent of the vote. She ran furious. unopposed and a quarter of the people voted for somebody else, which yeah. I think is a staggering amount when you literally there's nobody else really even on the ballot. Exactly. <laughs> it's just so it's personally, just so I voted for myself during that race. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, kind of uh, enough about her right now. But like, how do you plan to get Georgia's 14th back on track? What are your main initiatives that you plan to bring to the district? Again, jobs, infrastructure, COVID relief rural health care, rural broadband. These are things I want to work on. Veterans affairs issues. You know, as a disabled veteran myself, someone who suffered a traumatic brain injury, this is important. There are a lot of veterans in our district and in Georgia as well. So these are things that I want to work on and things that I can work on from day one, because I'll be able to sit on committees. I'll be able to reach across the aisle and extend that olive branch. Won't always be accepted, but I know that there are a majority in the middle that are willing to work together. Marcus, let's shift gears a little bit. So something that's almost become a staple of the Marcus Flowers persona has been uh, this cowboy hat. You're not wearing it today during the interview. How did that come to be? (laughs) I don't wear it inside. The cowboy hat. So my granddaddy was a sheriff in rural Alabama. I'm originally from Troy, Alabama, uh, the birthplace of John Lewis, as you guys all know. So my granddaddy wore a cowboy hat. He was a sheriff and a farmer. uh, And I picked it up from him when I was, you know, a little kid couldn't always pull it off when I was younger <laughs> military, you know, was, gave me grief about it, but you know, it's, I've always worn hats. I've always been a hat guy uh, and the cowboy hat. Like I said, something I picked up from my granddad and stuck, you know, it's just who I am. I know you, I say, you have my, it on you, Marcus? People, it's not with me down here. right now. Fans were asking about it. They were like, yeah. we want cowboy. Sorry hat. to disappoint guys. Next time I will bring it down with me to Next my time. office and we'll, we'll, we'll put it on. My office is in my basement. So I'd have to walk. And we do table. hope you come back, Marcus, on the Midas Touch podcast. We will absolutely be following your race. Marcus Flowers, Democratic candidate from Georgia, running against Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia's 14th. Thank you so much for coming on the Midas Touch podcast. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me once again. We'll be right back after these messages. What's up, Midas Mighty? I just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to everybody listening to all the Midas Touch podcasts out there. And Ben, I got to give a shout out to you. This week's episode of Legal AF by Midas Touch blew my mind. Really one of the best episodes I've heard yet. If you're not subscribed to Legal AF by Midas Touch, please do so now. You have Ben right over here and you have renowned New York-based attorney Michael Popak delivering you legal analysis in a fun way that is easy to understand. Make sure to listen to our podcast, Kremlin File. Make sure to listen to Maya Culpa with Michael Cohen. Make sure to subscribe to Zoomed In Podcast by Midas Touch. You can check these all out. We will have links in the description. Make sure to check out all the Midas Media Podcasts and thank you again so much for your support. 
Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. It was great having Marcus on the show. We will follow that race. We will keep you updated as events unfold. Want to talk about this Jim Jordan phone record gate. I mean, did it surprise you in any way that information's now coming out that Jim Jordan had multiple phone calls with Donald Trump during the date of the insurrection. I mean, to some extent, uh, you know, this is a breaking news, but, you know, my understanding was that during the insurrection, it wouldn't shock me, I would say, if Donald Trump was lying down and Jim Jordan was giving him a massage while the insurrection <laughs> was taking place, to be honest. Well, it is uh, suspicious that it took uh, eight months for Jim Jordan to admit that he spoke to Trump multiple times that day. And it is uh, the timing is uh, very suspect also that this happens on the heels of the January 6th committee announcing that they're going to get the phone records for lawmakers who supported the Stop the Steal rally, including Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks. Wait, Paul you're, you're telling me that as soon as it was announced that his phone records were going to be seized, he all of a sudden suddenly started to remember all the conversations he had that day on January 6th specifically with Donald Trump. I'm telling you, he found out this news and Jim Jordan, he he got a little touchy. Oh, <laughs> I hate you. Brett with like the puns. Today. See, this is what happens when Brett's wife is away for a weekend. Brett just becomes the ultimate pun. Maybe Brett should be called Brett pun. Big pun. Big pun. I like big pun. <laughs> big pun. I like big puns. So now, um, now let's uh, en enough of the puns. Uh, Jim Jordan is now wrestling with this news. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I mean, do you write these down before? Or are these just straight from the dome? No, these are straight from the dome. This is like freestyle. <laughs> like I'm like the little Wayne of political commentary right now. That's basically except what's going for on. Democrats. Yeah, except for Democrats. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. I forgot that he uh, I forgot that happened. Uh, anyway, <laughs> these phone records came out. Jim Jordan uh, is wrestling with the news. Sorry, Jordy. And he immediately goes to what what's it seems like he almost went to Politico to leak this news. I don't know if you guys got that vibe, too, but it seems like Republican politicians are able to kind of launder stories that they want to tell through quote unquote legitimate press outlets in order to get a favorable story written about them. Is that how you guys kind of interpreted it? I mean, I, I know Jordy's a uh, Jordy has some strong feelings about Politico lately. It was definitely a planted story, because if you read the story and don't read the story, it's Politico. They're trash. They make Jim Jordan and Matt Gates seem like they are the most heroic figures in this scenario. That's why it's so planted. The, the gist of it is Jim Jordan and Gates called Trump and they urge him to, quote unquote, call off his people from attacking the Capitol on January 6th. Here's my devil's advocate is that it it makes them look worse, in my opinion. Like and I, I'm not going to put it past these people that they're too dumb to realize that this makes it worse. But it looks really bad that they had these conversations during the insurrection with Trump. And then it did not come out till eight months later. And they have completely co-opted all the messaging that caused the insurrection since then. They knew what was happening. They knew Donald Trump incited it. They knew who was responsible the day of, yet they towed the MAGA fascist line this entire time. So to me, 
this almost makes it look even worse. But I mean, you know, Politico really has. Honestly, I, I've been a, I've been pretty upset with the news media at large lately. But then you look at the people who are at these things, you realize it's just sort of like one big happy club of these, you know, journalists who hang out with each other, whether they're, you know, more liberal writers or conservative writers or down the middle writers, like they all are kind of in one big happy family here. I mean, one of the Politico editors like a couple of years ago hosted Sarah Huckabee Sanders like going away party from the White House, like literally hosted the party. The writer is Anita Kumar. She literally threw a party for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So like, I don't know how you could say that you are a journalist who is balanced and honest when you are throwing parties for these figures. It just to me doesn't quite add up. But that's no, why, you know, that's why we got to break down the news and we got to deliver it to you straight. Yeah. And that's why voices like you, voices like us and, and other groups are so important right there, because we got to cut through this bullshit. We got to cut. Right he, and here's it. here's the thing with us. We are very clear that we are going to give you our opinions and our commentary, but we will always root our facts in the underlying source material that is unedited and that is accurate and truthful and we'll play the video and then we'll either allow you to form your opinion or we will give you our opinion based on the video through a prism of what any respectable pro-democracy loving person should feel when they see some of those other videos that we showed you earlier. Whereas the right wing, whereas the GQP, whereas the insurrectionist zombie sheeps are intentionally spreading disinfo about COVID, about what's going on in Afghanistan. Um, they are selectively editing videos to make it look like things are happening that they're not. And I'll just give you another example. You know, Laura Ingram, uh, who tweeted this week in a tweet that went viral, uh, information about Joe Biden and the Biden family that they did not care about the troops who were coming home um, from Afghanistan who tragically died in the terrorist attacks there, that they weren't there. Like literally the tweet is that they never showed up when the bodies arrived um, back to America, when literally they were there when the bodies arrived in America. And people like Laura Ingram who know no service, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who know no service to this day, who have made no sacrifice to our country. You know, we have someone like Marcus Flowers, who is in combat zones. We have someone like Joe Biden, whose son, who tragically died of cancer, was in war zones. You have people who have literally sacrificed their lives. I mean, just even think about it, you know, before, like this playbook even, you know, has always been there. But even when the GQP and the predecessors smeared John Kerry with the swift boat stuff, when John Kerry, who was someone who had infinite levels of, of privilege that he had, he, he could have done anything. He could have gotten five deferments like Trump did, went to Vietnam, fought courageously, almost died there, and that that was attacked, that his record in Vietnam was attacked. And we see it here again. And, and my overall problem, though, when we talk about this disinfo is that they're truly, other than you know what we do and a small group of others out there, 
there's really no one who's combating at the broadest level this disinfo and fighting this raging fascist fire with truth serum that doesn't exist. And people in groups like the New York Times and writers for the Times and Washington Post, and while they do great reporting, very frequently they still have it as hey, there's Democrats, there's Republicans. What do the Democrats do today? What do the Republicans do today? Oh, the Biden administration's failing to do X, Y, and Z. And you read some of this coverage and you think, holy shit, because you have more access to a Democratic, uh, and, and, and I should say both capital D and lowercase d, a democracy administration, because you have access to the administration, you've attacked them way more than you ever touched Donald Trump. And you've compared them like apples to apples when we're dealing with a fascist party that's go trying to destroy the United States with the sickos we've seen. That's why we need to stay vigilant. We need to stay on top of it. And anytime you see something like that, don't be afraid to call it out respectfully. Say, hey, this is why that's wrong. New York Times, this is why it is wrong for you to say after Florida made an incredible tough vaccine push. It's amazing to see that the numbers are rising. Anybody with eyes and ears who has been following the news over the last few months has seen that Florida has not made a big vaccine push. Yeah. Put that headline up. Put that headline up. I mean, that's literally the story that the New York Times wrote. Why? Why would you give someone like Governor DeSantis, who's out in New Jersey right now doing fundraisers, pulling a full Ted Cruz. That's where he was these past few days doing a fundraiser as his state is crippled by mobile morgues. It baffles me. Here's what we need. And this is something that has been said before. I am not the first one to say this, but to me, the job of a good journalist, the job of a reporter is to say, if I open up my window and I say, it's very sunny out, it's a beautiful day, and you open up the same window and you say, oh my God, it's torrential downpour. It looks awful out there. The job of the reporter is not to open the window and say, well, Brett thinks uh, it's nice out and uh, Ben thinks it's downpour. Ben thinks it's a bad day out there. So that's the news for the day. No, your job is to say, yes, it is a sunny day. Brett was telling the truth here. And this is why and this is why the other person might be telling you lies. This is what they're trying to do. You need to call it out. You need to tell it how it is and not have this faux sense of balance that does not exist. They're afraid. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. if you want to know, they are afraid. They are afraid of the attacks from the GQP. You know, frankly, the same way Mueller was afraid of the attacks of the GQP. And whereas Mueller had the opportunity to lean in and to truly have accountability, Mueller if you look at footnote number 18, I do say that actually the government does have the power in some circumscribed conditions to hold presidents who commit treason accountable. I don't give a fuck about footnote number 14. I care about the survival of our democracy at the end of the day. And the same thing with the media. Enough with the nuance when it's so obvious that one party is fascist, sheep, 
insurrection zombies, and they're being led by their Jim Jones cult leaders who know exactly what they're doing. They're leading the sheep into the slaughter so that they can have their billions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars, and they know exactly what they are doing while the rest of us in pro-democracy are saying, who's fighting for us? Who's out there with the megaphones? Who's out there in the streets? Who's out there knocking on doors and saying democracy is a good thing? Because if we don't fight every day, we are going to lose it. And on that note, we appreciate all of your support um, at the Midas Touch. We support you for making all of our podcasts top podcast and supporting our group, the type of reporting, the type of coverage, the type of pro-democracy events that we conduct, making those successful. But we cannot for a minute be complacent. And I just have to tell you, the level of passion and energy that I think came in this podcast is just enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm done with mobile morgues while people are going into school boards whining that their kids have to wear a mask for a few hours a day because intelligent people are trying to save lives. And in short, cut the shit. (laughs) Cut the shit. We'll see you next time on the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben. You know Brett and Jordy. And we'll see you on the next Midas Touch podcast. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!